Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. I was just so burnt out. There's no other word for it other than that. And I thought maybe teaching is not even right for me anymore, which really sucked because I started teaching later in life. I was maybe 27 when I started. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it was what I wanted to do, but all of a sudden it was just something that I wasn't used to anymore. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. This episode is sponsored by the Bailey and Wood Burned In Teacher Award. As part of their Hometown Hero program, Bailey and Wood Financial Group wants to offer teachers an opportunity to get burned in at no cost to them. Each month, Jeremy High of Bailey and Wood Financial Group will award one nominee a $100 Visa gift card to treat themselves to a little self-care and a full scholarship to join the next cohort of the Burned In Teacher Mastermind. And hey, if you're burned in already, you can gift your scholarship into the mastermind to a teacher friend who you think could use the support of a community of educators who are dedicated to helping each other to grow through their burnout and continue teaching. To nominate yourself or a teacher friend for the Bailey and Wood Burned In Teacher Award, go to burnedinteacher.com nominate and tell us a little about you and this burned in teacher who could use a little extra something special in appreciation of their service as a teacher. Let's celebrate our hometown heroes together. Burn on. Well, hello there, Burned In Teachers, and welcome to episode 101 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. This is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. I'm Amber Harper, your host, and I am so excited about today's episode. I feel like I say that at the beginning of every episode, but for all of you burned and bored or burned and over it teachers, this interview today is really going to ignite you and help you to think about your possibilities if you are in fact feeling like you are stuck on this roller coaster of burnout. Now, before we get into the interview that I have to share with you today, I want to make sure that you heard the new opportunity that there is for you to win $100 and to join the Burned In Teacher Mastermind for free. If you go to burnedinteacher.com slash nominate, you can nominate yourself or your teacher bestie, or a teacher who you know needs to be shown a little bit of love. One of our sponsors, Bailey and Wood Financial Group, they are a local financial group here in Fort Wayne, but they want to show some love to these hometown heroes, teachers, you, your friends, those of you out there, especially lately, who may be experiencing a hard time. And they want to give you 100 bucks, and they want to also offer a scholarship for you to be able to go through the Burned In Teacher Mastermind, which is actually going on right now at the time of this recording. And I just cannot wait to share with you the transformations that, again, are happening to teachers in the community. It's just been fantastic. 
So whether you nominate yourself or a teacher friend, you can keep the $100. And if you feel burned in, if you feel on fire for teaching, but you know somebody who could maybe use some empowerment, some support in a judgment-free zone of other teachers who are attempting to grow through their burnout and stay in education, then you can gift your scholarship to them. So it's really a win-win for everybody. So go to burnedinteacher.com slash nominate and nominate yourself or a teacher friend. They will be offering this award once a month. And if you win, you'll be able to join the next cohort of the Burned In Teacher Mastermind. And at the time of this recording, the next cohort will be launching at the end of April and starting in May of 2021. So again, go to burnandteacher.com slash nominate and learn more and nominate yourself or a friend for the Bailey and Wood Burned In Teacher Award. Okay, so now for today's interview. On today's episode, I'm going to share with you my interview with Molly Wheatley, a teacher from Minnesota, who is also a tutorpreneur. She'll explain more in the interview. Molly is the founder of Literacy Fundamentals and creator of the Tutorpreneur Academy, where she helps teachers build a profitable tutoring business using skills they already have so they can make money on the side without quitting their teaching jobs. What I love so much about Molly's story is she is currently in the classroom. Well, not literally in the classroom. She's teaching virtually, as you'll hear her talk about, is that she turned her burnout into an opportunity for growth and change for herself. And for her, that didn't necessarily mean quitting teaching. It meant switching schools, which offered its own challenges, as you'll hear her talk about. But what she decided to do was to bring something else into her life that allowed her to make the decisions, allowed her to use her skills, not just as a teacher, but as the CEO of her own business. I'm really excited to introduce you to Molly. She and I connected on a lot of different levels, both as teachers and as CEOs of our own businesses. And I'm telling you what, if you're telling yourself the story that you're just a teacher and that you don't have any other skills, you're lying to yourself because teachers are the ultimate CEO material. And I think that Molly is really going to prove that to you today in her interview. So without further ado, let's jump in. Molly, thank you so much for joining us today on the Burn and Teacher podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about your journey and whether or not you're still in the classroom and just tell us, tell us everything. Okay. Well, I'm in my seventh year of teaching this year. I am teaching virtually online from home. I applied to do that and I got granted permission to do it. So I'm teaching first grade and I love it because I was kindergarten the last couple of years and first grade just seems like a, a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I switched schools and I had the worst teacher burnout imaginable. I was crying in my car after school every day. Um, it just was one of those situations where you think you're changing schools for the better. And I inherited really great principles, but I also got lots of behavior problems mm-hmm. and behavior problems that I had never dealt with before going to a title one school and it was just very hard. I was isolated and lonely. I didn't know anybody at my new school mm-hmm. and I was just so burnt out. There's no other word for it other than that. And I thought maybe teaching is not even right for me anymore, which 
really sucked because I started teaching later in life. I was maybe 27 when I started. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it was what I wanted to do, but all of a sudden it was just something that I wasn't used to anymore. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it started. Sorry to interrupt you. So did you transition into teaching from another profession? I sort of did. I knew I always wanted to be a teacher, but I had to work full time throughout college. And so I just came to this point where I thought if I don't do it, I'm never going to do it. Mm. My biggest dilemma was student teaching. I thought, how can I afford to live? And cause I wasn't a, you know, a 21 year old trying to do all this. I just mm. worked at a bank and a loan company. And I had kind of like big girl <laughs> jobs before mm-hmm. teaching. Um, mm-hmm. but I knew I always wanted to be a teacher. It just took me a little bit longer to get there. Yeah. So tell us then about your first couple of years. You said that, did you transfer to a couple of different schools? I started out at a school um, that was a lottery system school. So it was public, but you could, the parents could apply to go there. So with that, you can imagine that if you care enough to submit your name into a lottery for your child, then you probably care a lot about their education. So Mm -hmm. it was a great school with amazing families. Um, but I just had an administrator that was a nightmare. So three out of four teachers on my team that year all decided to leave at the same time. It was a really hard decision, lots of tears shed. Mm. Um, and so, like I said, I, I inherited a great principal at my new school, but just different clientele, a lot tougher crowd. Mm-hmm. So did you, do you attribute I, I, what was it like? Cause I, the reason I want to hear a little bit more and I don't want you to, you know, tell me anything that you're not comfortable with, but there are a lot of teachers that when they join the burn and teacher community, they talk about not feeling any support from their administrator or unrealistic expectations, or they even use words like my administrator is intolerable. Can you tell us, and I know I've seen a lot, you know, we met on Instagram and I just really adore you and your story and how motivated you are to, to support yourself in a different way to avoid burnout, but also inspire other teachers. But you've shared quite a bit about this, this terrible experience. So can you kind of help us to understand what that looked like and how you came to the final decision to, to leave and go to another school? Sure. Um, we kind of, on my team, we just felt like our principal would take turns targeting different mm-hmm. staff members. The people that worked there were, we call them lifers because they had always been there. They'd never taught anywhere else. And so they didn't really have any real life examples of what behavior problems should even look like because they mm-hmm. didn't know. Mm-hmm. So if you were a lifer, then you were safe. But if you were anybody that wanted change or wanted to try something new and you presented it in the, such a way that she didn't like, then she would target you. Mm-hmm. And we, the three of us that left all took turns being the target. And the fourth lady that eventually left, she, she got her turn too. So she eventually left too. But, um, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was wanting to do a Harry Potter club and the principal completely shot it down, told us it was inappropriate. And then she started really targeting us about decorations in our classroom and just nitpicking everything. So like, it was to the point where I was driving to work every day, anxious, like sweating and just feeling sick to my stomach. And, but at the same time being told I was a really great teacher, you know, I got really good reviews from her, but she just would find anything to nitpick at us. And so we kind of just had to band together and worked with our teachers union and 
eventually realized that we couldn't do anything. The, the school district wasn't willing to, you know, get rid of her. They would hear us out, but they wouldn't get rid of her. So we all decided we had to move on and it was really tough. Have you heard anything from the teachers who are still there? Has anything changed? Has it stayed the same? How, how is it going? It stayed the same. And then the new people that come in leave and then the lifer people stay. So until she's she's not the principal anymore, sadly, it's going to be that way. Mm -hmm. And did you ever try to talk to her and try to understand, you know, what was going on? How did that go? Because that's one thing that um, through my program and and through this podcast and everything, I try to encourage people to open conversations, to try to understand one another. So you don't feel like it's that you against them, you know, to kind of give them a chance and and give your relationship a chance. Did you ever try that? Oh, definitely. We had so many meetings with her individual, with HR, with the union rep. We tried everything. Um, She just doesn't like being challenged and doesn't like change. So if you're willing to just do what she wants, then you'll fit in fine. But if you want to try anything new, it wasn't going to happen. So we tried everything. It just was a year of exhausting all of our options. Mm -hmm. So when you decided to leave, did that create another, another layer of anxiety or was it exciting for you to kind of look for another opportunity to teach somewhere else? It was kind of a mix of both. I was terrified about leaving because I was comfortable with the kinds of kids that I was working with, mm-hmm. but also the retaliation we were so worried about receiving because nobody leaves that school. You know, everybody wants to work at that one. So we kind of lived in fear for a couple months during that time because it just felt like she could retaliate on us, even though I know that's not technically legal, but you know, you have to prove it. So mm-hmm. we had to keep it secret too. We couldn't tell anybody we were leaving till the end of the year. So okay. it was kind of both scary and exciting. So, so you leave this school after how many years, how long were you there? I was there for four years plus one year of student teaching and subbing. So five okay. total. Okay. So you've just recently in the last couple of years moved to, to a new school. Yes. And this is the one that you're still at. Yes, technically. So I'm online this year, but my, most of my class are kids that would go to the school that I am currently. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how's that going for you? The online part virtually. Yeah. I love it. I know some people think that I'm such a weirdo when I say that, but it really suits me. I I've taught a college class online for the last four years. So I was really comfortable with zoom Mm -hmm. and I love it because I don't deal with behavior problems. I know Mm -hmm. that sounds terrible, but the last couple of years, I've just dealt with so many behavior problems and they just don't exist online. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how you're handling or how you have in the past. Are there any great resources or any great uh, strategies that you have learned to help with behavior problems in the classroom? And then I have a question too about teaching virtually. Oh, sure. Um, Well, I'd say with behavior problems, I was fortunate enough to student teach with someone that had a great handle on behavior management Mm -hmm. and also being raised by a teacher too, that kind of comes naturally to me. So, you know, I've read books over the years, but honestly, just the relationships part, you have to get to know them really well. Mm -hmm. And then the kids that have trauma, those are the kids that I usually have the biggest issues with. And then I just seek help from people in school to try to figure out what we can do. Um, Because, you know, it's kind of like a rinse and repeat every day. Like you feel like you put your heart and soul into it for seven or eight hours Mm -hmm. and then they come back and the behaviors are there again. So it's kind of defeating. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say relationships and just having a good support system has what has been what's helped me the most. 
That's really, that's really good to hear. I don't know if you know this about me, but I taught first grade for a lot of years of yeah. my career. So I can definitely, uh, definitely understand exactly what you're talking about there. Um, so, okay. So let's fast forward to, well, last year, a year ago this month, um, and, and now teaching virtually, you seem to be handling it well. You said it really fits you. So tell us, do you have anything just off the cuff that maybe you could put out there to teachers that are struggling with teaching virtually? What is one thing that's really working well for you? I think if you're doing small groups, that's been the key because it's hard to get the, to get to know the kids on the screen. Um, if you're not doing small groups, I'm assuming most elementary teachers that are virtual probably are doing that, but I try to keep my groups really small. And so I do have more of them throughout the day. So it does make my day a little bit longer, but that's okay with me because I'm getting a little bit more like intimate interactions with them, with reading groups or working on any kind of intervention. Okay. So do you do whole group instruction through zoom and then you break out to smaller groups? Mm -hmm. The morning is, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. The morning is mostly whole group. And then the afternoon is when I do small groups after lunch. Okay. So do you do, you teach, you know, a reading lesson, a math lesson, you know, social studies, whatever it is that you're teaching, you Mm -hmm. teach those in whole group in the morning. And then in the afternoon you have small group instruction. That's right. Yep. That's exactly correct. So I'm assuming then that you don't meet with every small group every afternoon. I do not. Um, I know some teachers swear by that method, but I, I meet with them all anywhere from three to four times a week, depending on what they need. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you ability, ability group them then? Yes. Ability grouping. Okay. Yeah. That seems to work the best online. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right. So here's the other thing I want to talk to you about today. And one big reason that I asked you to come onto the podcast, because when you were going through your burnout, which was triggered by this toxic relationship with your, with your principal, you didn't just leave and go to another school. You actually did something else that has had a huge impact in keeping you really motivated to stay in education and stay in the classroom, even though right now it's virtually. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? Yeah. So I, actually own my own tutoring business and I tutor anywhere from eight to 10 kids a week, depending on the week. And within that business has sprung a whole other side business of helping teachers just like me start their own tutoring business as well. Mm -hmm. So what is that? How do you handle that? Now, let me, let me preface that question with, you know, it sounds like a lot of teachers are working ridiculous hours. Like they're already dedicating, you know, 60 plus hours, some teachers, not all. How do you balance all of that? So what does your work week look like when it comes to, you know, time that you are dedicating to being a classroom teacher about how many hours are you working a week? And how do you balance that with tutoring eight to 10 students? So I'm, I'm guessing maybe around eight to 10 hours of tutoring plus prepping for that like, and now you've got this program where you teach other teachers how to do this. Tell us a little bit about how you keep all of that straight. Cause I can imagine that some teachers are listening, thinking, well, that must work great for her, but for me, that just couldn't work. So just kind of enlighten us a little bit about what that looks like. 
So I still teach the same amount of time that I did in the classroom as far as the hours that I'm contracted. The difference is that I'm not traveling to and from school and my lunch break is a little bit longer because the kids have specials. So mm -hmm. when you teach online in my district, they go to another teacher virtually for specials. So I guess the biggest difference in the regular classroom versus now for me is just having a longer lunch. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I'm still teaching the same amount of hours. I'm still responsible for the same amount of time. As far as how I'm able to tutor so many kids, well, some of them are online. So that, again, that's just hopping on the computer right after school and working with them. That makes it really easy. And then the kids that I tutor in person, I am tutoring a pod, which is a group of kids that are all either virtually learning together or they come home after school together. So three kids in one pod really cuts down the time as well. I am tutoring them all separately, but it's one house that I'm going to. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm going to three different houses in that setting. Okay. So that makes it a little easier. Um, time management is big. I I'm very structured. I have, you know, a planner that I follow and I just have to be on top of myself all the time with timing. Mm -hmm. I think any teacher can tutor. It's just a matter of how you manage your time. And then the amount of time that you want to spend doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't tutor at all on the weekends. I keep that time free. So got to have some boundaries in place too. So you must have a very beautiful, wonderful system in yes. place. So, so tell us a little bit more. You said you have a planner. You said you, you know, you don't tutor on the weekends. So help us to understand. So let me actually back up how many hours, I mean, do you only work your contract time? Has that been a boundary that you have set early? That has just been something that you say, you know, I didn't teach past my contract time then I'm not going to do it now. How, yes. About that. I didn't always used to be that way. You know, when you first start out teaching, you kind of spend way too many hours in your classroom mm -hmm. doing things now. And again, too, I'm home. So I'm not decorating anything. Mm -hmm. It's just my background behind me, um, <laughs> which is kind of nice. But yeah, I put that in place a while ago, I guess maybe because I started teaching when I was a little bit older that I just really knew that I didn't want to waste all my time at school doing things that really weren't moving the needle forward on teaching at all. They're just little administrative things that I felt like I should get done. Mm -hmm. um, at, at the end of the day, they don't, they didn't make me a better teacher by staying and putting up a cutesy bulletin board, you know? Mm -hmm. So I have those firm boundaries in place to answer your question. I have to, or else I could get sucked into being at school all the time. Cause I do love working on those things. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you not burn out with just, it sounds like you're doing a lot. So tell us more about how doing your tutoring business on the side is really igniting your fire to be a classroom teacher. How does that work? I know it sounds like it would maybe do the opposite <laughs> because you're so busy, but as a classroom teacher, you get to do, you know, small groups and that's fun, but one-to-one -one, you see a lot more growth. Um, I see that every day. Like I have all these cool light bulb moments with these kids that I'm tutoring. And you probably saw on Instagram a, a little while ago, I had a kid that built a robot with me and I'm getting to do all these really fun things that I wouldn't normally get to do in the classroom. So for me, that just kind of reinforces the fact that yes, I was supposed to be a teacher. Yes, I'm good at this and I love it. And the parents are so grateful. So that constant feedback kind of strokes you a little bit, your ego, you're like, oh, okay, this is working. Like I just got some reports back from my clients, parents saying, we just talked at parent teacher conferences. Like we've seen so much improvement. We're so grateful for you. And 
any classroom teacher knows that you're, you don't always get that, you know, you're lucky to get some of those compliments. So with tutoring, I get those all the time. So it kind of keeps the flame going for me. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, you know, because burnout occurs from that, the reward, not equaling all of the effort. Yes. And a lot of times, you know, teachers are creators, they're visionaries. They, you know, have all these great intentions and ideas. And then because of all the red tape and the system that we work in, our education system squanders them in that, in that way. So it sounds like you get a lot of autonomy. You get to make decisions. You are literally quite literally the CEO for part of your day every day. Oh, that's what I love about it. Like you can charge what you want and pick the hours and you're right. Like I have the autonomy over my own life and I can be as creative as I want to be with these kids. I'm not following a curriculum. I'm doing what I think is best for them instead of what the school district says I need to do. Mm -hmm. So do you see yourself staying in the classroom for, for quite a long time? Or do you think that you'll eventually transition out, you know, and eventually doesn't mean like next year or necessarily, but what do you see for yourself the next three to five years? I love thinking about that because I just always think in terms of like, what's next, you know, um, I love being a classroom teacher. And I think if I were to do something else, then I could always come back to it. That's a great thing about teaching. They always need teachers, Mm -hmm. but I do kind of see myself helping more teachers start their own tutoring business. Mm -hmm. Um, because I've just recently gotten into that and it's, going really well. And it's just really rewarding to see people like overcome things like burnout or trying to make extra money using skills that they already have. And you don't have to sell anything. And there's just so many great parts about it that I love. So I could see myself doing that too. So I don't know. I'm, I'm open to anything that comes my way. (laughs) So you just put it out into the universe. I'm just open and ready (laughs) for the next thing. Yes. That's great. So, well, it sounds like it sounds like you are like so many of the listeners of the podcast that you really want what's best for kids. You, you want to teach. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to a teacher who's listening to this and who's really struggling right now? Are there any really good pieces of advice that you could give them? Well, I would say the things that have worked best for me were having some really good teacher friends that were, you know, maybe somebody on your team that you could talk to that you trust. That's what got me through those years of wanting to leave my school is I felt like I had a strong group of women that I could just vent to and get things off my chest. Um, And then having something to look forward to. I think that's the best part about tutoring is that even if you have a crummy day in the classroom, there's going to be a kid that you just really love and connect with in your tutoring business and you look forward to seeing them and it kind of washes away the the crud of the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you can kind of like re-energize yourself and realize that you are good at teaching. It's just, you had a bad day or things are going rough right now because you know, everything going on in the world's a little crazy. So it's a lot. It is a lot. I want to go back to something you just said that kind of piqued my interest. You said, you know, it's, it's good to have teacher friends who can understand you and who you can vent with, but it sounds like you and your teacher friends did more than vent. You know, you did more than stew about it. You actually put some things into motion. Like you took action and you caused a bit of a ruckus maybe, but you did it for the betterment of, of your students and of, of your, of your fellow colleagues. So I just wanted to to say that I noticed, you know, at the beginning of our conversation that you talked about how 
um, how you kind of came together and banded together and, and tried to, to make a change and make a difference for the betterment of the school. It obviously didn't work out, but then you all decided to actually leave. And I know that has to be really hard, but, but that's something that I connect with so deeply with what it is that I help teachers to do because I help them to take, to do that inner work and to, you know, make proactive decisions, not just reactive, like just one day wake up and quit. And I just, uh, is there anything else you can tell us about that whole process and the action taking and, and supporting one another there? Well, I'm glad you said that too, because I would never promote just venting to coworkers and just being negative without action, because I feel like that's just pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say throughout that whole process, I definitely learned that if you have a support system, that's great. But at the end of the day, you have to make the decision on your own and just quitting to me. If you're, if you love teaching, I don't think that's the answer. There's always another school you can go work for. There's always other things you can do in education. So I guess for the process of it all, though, taking really great notes and maybe if you have a union rep, somebody to help you with the legal part of it, because that was really helpful for me to kind of role play with somebody before I went into a meeting, Mm -hmm. because you can feel very intimidated as a teacher, you know, sitting across from your administrator or HR people. So I think there's a lot of things you can do. And if there's a teacher listening to this and wants to talk more about that, I definitely help them mm-hmm. hash out all the things that I did. Mm. Molly, this has been such an amazing conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to share with everybody before I have you share how to connect with you or, um, or how to learn more about how to learn how to be a teacher or I'm sorry, a tutorpreneur. <laughs> yes. I'm trademarking that word as we speak because <laughs> it's so applicable right now. Um, I would say if you're going through anything that I had said in my talk with you today. If you identify with any of it, just know that you're not alone. I think that was hard for me at times. I felt like, yeah, the people in my school maybe are going through this, but you just feel kind of isolated. So know that you're not alone and try to connect with other people and make a plan and make a change. Like you said, Mm, I love it. So Molly, tell everybody how they can find you and connect with you. You are just, you're just a ball of energy and positivity (laughs) and empowerment. And I just, I want more people to, to follow you and get to know you better. All my socials are at Literacy Fundamentals, and my website is literacyfundamentals.net. And if you're interested in becoming a tutor, I have an actual tab at the top of my website that says Become a Tutor. And you can click on that, or you can send me a message and we can talk. And right now I'm in the beta phase of my online course. So if you're interested in that as well, we can talk about that and we can get you set up with your own tutoring business and overcome your teacher burnout. (laughs) That is so, so exciting. Molly, thank you so much for joining us today on the Burn In Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of burned-in teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned-out teacher to burned-in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned and Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a Burned and Teacher. Burn on.